Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to The Shit Show. Oh, hi. I'm sorry. I didn't see you there. That's totally awkward random. Kia ora, everyone. Welcome back to The Shit Show. As always, I am joined by Squishy, brother Nick. Um, we can actually add published writer to your... Published... What would we even call you? Columnist? Writer? Published person to your list of uh, the way I describe you. That was not good. I'd say world-class journalist, but world-class um, published journalist. writer is a good way to start. Published writer, which is funny because a few times you have been published in the Siska Daily Newsletter, but that is nothing. That is mere crumbs for what uh, the cake you've just baked. <laughs> oh, my God. Lucy, I think you're guessing it up a little Lucy, bit. Lucy, <laughs> you suck. Anyway, Nick had a piece go live on the spin-off, um, which is, you know, we fucking talk about them all the time. Our favourite New Zealand media platform Um we work really closely with them at Shit You Should Care About. Duncan, who runs it, is the GOAT. Um, Nick, what'd you write about? Why are you writing? What's happened, Dal? Yeah, it seems a bit weird. I never thought I'd be a writer, but here we are. Um, it was basically yeah, an, ex- both, an extension of the uh, Russia-Ukraine crypto uh, story I talked about on the podcast last week. Woo! So if you're interested in hearing a little bit more about it, go to the spin-off and you can read a couple hundred words on it, which is pretty cool. So cool. I'm very proud. I'm obsessed. I love it. I'm here for it. Please never forget your roots in little old shit you should care about. <laughs> the shit show is always going to be my OG. The shit show. Oh, fuck. Of course. Oh, honestly, you have no idea how p- pissed off I'd be if you said that anything else was your OG. Um, Nick, I yes. actually have a bone to pick. I don't often have bones to pick on mic. Quite a lot in real life. Not really on mic, but can I pick this bone? Go for it. Tell me what's what's on your mind. So, you know the wheels versus doors debate? How could I forget? And we spoke about it last week. And I think I talked about the stuff article that credited that dude for um, posting it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I've been getting so many emails from people being like, Blah, blah, covered this. This huge celebrity covered this. Like, everyone's talking about the wheels versus doors story, okay? And Are you still are you still team wheels? Yes, I am. Okay, good. good. And I have said to everyone, like, we didn't start this. Um, a lot of people have done it. The nature of the internet is people copy and paste things. And, like, that's fine. However, like... I did, I was on The Guardian um, for our good news story today, and I saw an article uh, about the New Zealander who created a social media poll that made uh, this question go viral, and I was like, oh my god, like, maybe it was us. We posted this poll, shit of ours (laughs) goes viral, on The Guardian. Um, I can't explain it. The man behind the wheels, doors, 
Twitter post that exploded online. And then I was like, okay, so it's not obviously not about us. And first of all, no hate to this dude because I love it. Honestly, take it, run with it, get your bag, whatever. But it says two weeks ago, New Zealander Ryan Nixon created a social media poll for his less than 1,500 followers. The rest is history. And then, so I was like, when the fuck did this happen? And I think I talked about this last week, maybe. And I looked and he posted it a day, a whole day after we posted the poll, which for the record, my flatmate randomly said to ask me this question one Friday night. And I looked up because I was like, no way did she think of that question because I like, you know, no original thoughts in the world. You tell me every week. (laughs) So I looked it up and this wonderful like online magazine called Flagrant Mag had done it first at 1pm on this this fateful Friday. So 1pm, Flagrant Mag posts it. Um, At 7pm, Shit You Should Care About posts it to Twitter and Instagram, just asking the question. The next day, Ryan Nixon posts it, saying that he was having a debate in um, a bar or something. And then Ryan Nixon, everyone, the Guardian's writing about it. Everyone's writing about it, crediting it to Ryan Nixon. That's fine. Like It's on the journalists to probably go through Twitter like I did and find out who the first person was to post it. But I got so many emails from people being like, who is this person? They posted it after you. And by the look of your face, you're thinking, Lucy, you're being a brat. But let me... I'm thinking like CSI shit show. CSI shit show. Dive deep into the real issues. No, it's funny because at the start, I really, I really didn't care. And then I started getting all these emails being like, Bestie, you posted this. Um, Why are the articles written from like interviewing this guy saying that he started the poll? And I always reply being like, oh, we actually saw it on this magazine first. But um, yeah, ha ha ha. We definitely posted it before him or something. And then I read this article and um, here's some quotes. Nixon said his brush with fame was surreal and fun, but it would peter out soon and he could go back to living his normal life. Until then, he was happy he created some silly respite for people around the world. With everything that was going on with COVID, Russia and Ukraine and petrol prices, providing people with a lighthearted distraction or entertainment was cool. And like, you know, when you do think, obviously I do it all the time, that you've come up with it for yourself. Like, you think that you have come up with it. And maybe he does think that. But I'm just like, we posted this a whole last day, a whole last 24 hours before you spoke about it. I guess this is, this is why people don't trust the mainstream media. No, because anyone... Fake news, fake lies, news lies, lies. Anyway, love your work, Ryan Nixon. Good on you for being a rugby referee that's just trying to spark a lively Twitter debate. And who knows where you found it. And look. Any publicity is good publicity, and I hope that the fame peters out soon for you. <laughs> Shit loose. <laughs> anyway, there's my bone to pick in the most kind way that I could because uh, I definitely get ideas from everywhere. Just thought it was funny. Just thought it was funny. Nick, what is the weirdest thing you saw on the internet this week? I saw that Elon Musk challenged uh, Vladimir Putin. Oh, my God, Putin. I can't stop saying Putin. Ah! Challenge Vladimir Putin to a fight for Ukraine. I haven't seen this. Love him or hate him. He does a lot of like great stuff, like electric cars with Tesla and rocket ships with SpaceX. I think that's pretty cool. But then he goes and does shit like this. Um, the other day, Elon tweeted, I hereby challenge Vladimir Putin to single combat. Stakes are Ukraine. 
Um, unsurprisingly, <laughs> Putin hasn't responded to Elon calling him out on Twitter, but Dmitry Rogozin, the head of the Russian space agency, who has been going on and on for weeks about this whole thing, um, essentially calling NASA little bitches and threatening to deorbit the space station, uh, replied saying, you, little devil, are still young. Compete with me, weakling. It would only be a waste of time. Oh. Um, Elon's been pretty vocal in his support for Ukraine since the Russian invasion. He got <laughs> SpaceX to send a couple containers worth what of uh, Starlink receivers after the Ukrainian government um, asked for some. So, I don't know, oh. pretty weird. Wow. It's pr- it's pretty weird. And, like, to what you said at the start about, um, first of all, about Elon, like, he does a lot of great stuff. Like, he he's done some life-changing shit. Then also, like... He does want to sort of colonize space. But then also, like, he's pretty, like, gave Ukraine some Starlink internet satellite things. But then also, he sort of wants to colonize Ukraine now. Is this the beginning of, of Elon uh, starting an army and taking over the year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's crazy how well, it's just another sort of extremely online aspect to the Ukraine war, isn't it? Billionaires calling out dictators on Twitter asking for hand-to-hand combat. Um, The Chechnyan leader, I guess. If you don't know what Chechnya is, it's like a region below Russia that's had a lot of wars and stuff. They produce like a a lot of MMA fighters, so they're all pretty badass. Um, The Chechnyan leader waded in on Twitter as well, saying that Elon could come and see how Vladimir Putin's trained all his life and (laughs) learn how to take punches like Vladimir and all that sort of stuff. Elon responded to that with some smart-ass comment as well. So I don't know what the world's come to oh. where billionaires are taunting. It's a distraction. Like, it, half of it makes me really sick. Like, there's people. Kim, there are people dying. There are actual people dying. But then half of it is like, what else does the world want slash need, like, the online world, other than a distraction right now? Like, it does good for some people, but then it's also like, what the fuck timeline are we actually living in also people can do good things like elon and do also not good things and you can agree with some things and agree with like not some things i do think it's really helpful for us to be able to look at people in a way where you don't have to just cancel them as bad or like them as good like you can see them for all the parts that they are yeah exactly that's where that's where cancel culture has its flaws i guess and I could talk for days, but like, yeah, it strips people of their nuance. And I hate that I have to caveat this. Obviously, there are people that like should be deplatformed or cancelled, if that's what you want to call it, or arrested. And like, you always have to caveat that because people will always sort of come and say, like, it's not about nuance if they've done X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, absolutely, absolutely, I know. Um, this is just more me saving my future self from having to reply to emails that are like... If people start sending you emails like that, I challenge them to single combat. <laughs> Stakes are internet points. Stakes are likes on Twitter. Anyway, my weirdest thing that I saw on the internet is this, Nick, and I'm going to play you this video because it's just every time um, you say Vladdy Daddy, this is like what I think of. This is a message for Vladimir Putin, so if you're not Putin, just keep scrolling. Putin, Daddy, stop. Stop, Daddy. This isn't like you. Hajima, Vladdy. Chebar Hajima, Daddy. What the 
fuck? <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's what I think of. What is your for you page? <laughs> oh, it's like trying to give me good info about Russia, and that's like that's the problem with algorithms, team. It knows I'm interested in learning. It thinks that's valuable education. A little bit of insight. All Lucy sends me on TikTok is cats, like cute cats. Um, so I've got Aww. the weirdest view of her for your page right now. Oh, <laughs> Enzo. <laughs> Did you see that video of the cat having a bath that I sent you? Yes. Anyway, that's off topic. Anyway, Nick, enough about my uh, For You page on TikTok. Can you tell me why the fuck my petrol is so expensive right now? Jesus, Lucy, I'll give it a go, but fuck, there is so much that goes into the answer of that question, like from the hundreds of years of rampant capitalism to the intrinsically complicated geopolitics that most oil producing regions are like subject to and the crazy complicated supply chain built around like this explosive liquid okay 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 we're gonna go back to the basics of shit you should care about where we use words and sentences that i think we all understand Shit's hard, yo. <laughs> like, Yeah, that sounded fucking smart, but the fact that there was, like, adjectives in there, like, rampant and intrinsically, I'm like, bro, just give me the TLDR. Why was I paying $3.40 for my 91 in Auckland last week? Lucy, you ride an e-bike. You shouldn't be paying for fuel. Well, guess what? What? I got my brakes fixed the other day, and I have been... Oh, thank I haven't used my car in, like, four days, and I'm honestly... St- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Anyway, anyway, for New Zealand listeners, let's do a a basic a basic TLDR on fuel. <laughs> to make a really really long story short, like a four hundred million year long story short, a plankton died. Um, it got squished and turned into crude oil. Someone put a pipe down and the uh, oil came pouring out. They sent it to Saudi Arabia. Um, so we import most of our petrol from Saudi Arabia, um, which is fifteen thousand kilometers away from New Zealand. Um, we don't really have numbers on how much of that crude oil going to Saudi Arabia is from Saudi Arabia. It could come from any country. It could be Russian, but it's probably not. Saudi Arabia makes a lot of fuel. Okay. So it floats over on a ship and gets stored in big tanks uh, in ports around New Zealand, like Tauranga, um, Marsden Point, north of Auckland, uh, Christchurch. I think someone Nelson as well. Then it gets trucked around New Zealand in trucks. Um, so I don't really think I can overstate how simple I just made that. Um when you consider all the time and effort that went into a liter of fuel, three dollars does kind of seem sort of reasonable, but that doesn't make the trip to the supermarket any cheaper, you know. No, it, and it's it just means. I mean, we could go into a whole world of should butter be six dollars fifty? Should oh, milk cost no, X? No. Like all the people that are, it takes to make it. Like yeah, the theory of pricing, IDK. Um, however. I think you did a great job. My one question is, Plankton is in SpongeBob's little friend. Yeah, he got squished. You know that? Have you seen the Hydraulic Press channel on on YouTube where that dude, that Swedish yes. dude, just squishes, squishes shit? Yeah. Yeah, it's basically like that. They put Plankton in that and turned him into crude oil. Wait, 
So plankton, the little fish thing, turns into oil. Um, well, yeah, but in a long, there's way more to it than that. Like the plankton has to. What does oil start as plankton? Well, it doesn't start as like a stegosaurus, like like the word fossil fuels would have you believe. Ah. For those who can't see Lucy right now, which is all of you, she's furiously typing into Google. Yeah, and I'm saying, does oil start as plankton? Is all because I fucked it up. Yeah, okay, okay, so does oil come from plankton? Crude oil was made over millions of years from tiny plants and animals called plankton. I think I have a really fucked up idea of what plankton is in my head. If you've got it from Spongebob, then yeah. The, these plankton aren't setting up restaurants outside the Krabby the What's Mr. Krabs' restaurant called again? The Krusty Krab. The Krusty Krab, oh my god, I feel like a bad child. Trying to... Trying to um, steal the secret formula, which could be that they add crab to the Krabby Patties cannibals. That's another shit show, do we? <laughs> that is actually another shit show. I reckon, actually, really good idea for us, for a shit show, using Spongebob to, and the Spongebob ecosystem to tell the story of fuel to help people understand it. That would actually be fucking great. Anyway, no one steal that. That's mine. <laughs> mine. Mine. Maybe Nick can do a column on it. Um, okay, so Nick... But why now? Why is fuel expensive AF now? Fuel prices have been going up for ages. Like, it's not a new thing that our fuel is has been going up in price. Mm-hmm. There have been articles from, like, at the start of the year saying, why is my fuel so expensive when it was only $2.60 a litre only? That still seems like quite a lot. Um, but since Russia invaded Ukraine, the price of a barrel of oil has gone up and fuel prices at the petrol pump have gone with it. Um, and is this because a lot of the oil that we get or need is from Russia? Not us specifically, not New Zealand specifically, or the US. Um, but since the oil market is global, uh, our price is reflected by the world price as well. Um, so that's kind of like the drawback of an international market, I guess. But um, our our fuel prices aren't just tied to where we get our oil from. It's tied yeah. to the entire world's oil market. It's kind of annoying, so but that true. is what it is. It is way more complicated than that as well. Yeah. And the economic sanctions that we've been talking about that other countries have been putting on Russia, they have largely to do with oil? Yeah. Well, oil is one of Russia's major exports, and that's why um, so many oligarchs are oil billionaires rather than making things billionaires, I guess. <laughs> rather than diamond billionaires or whatever. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. leave those for Africa. Okay, so we've got the whole Russia invading Ukraine situation and the price of a barrel of oil going up. I'm assuming by the look of it on your face that that's not all. That's not all, no. So it's not just the price of the barrel of oil that impacts the price of the pump, it's the price of all those steps along the way as well. So the ship that carried our fuel here, the 15,000 kilometres from Saudi Arabia, if the price of fuel for that goes up, the price of fuel for us goes up as well. And the truck that takes it around the country, if the price of fuel for that goes up, the price of fuel for us goes up. It's kind of like this compounding effect. So only around 40% of the price of petrol at the fuel station is the fuel itself. The rest of it is taxes, which makes up 50%, and the margin that the fuel companies make on top is the rest. So for margin is basically if you sell something, if you make something for $25 and sell it for 30 that $5 is the margin. It's the little bit extra that the company keeps. That is the shit you should care about thinking that you just preemptively did there where you knew that I was going to say, explain margins to the people, bro. They're not just those things on the side of your maths book, your 1B5 or your 
too big. Uh-uh. Date, date in the margin? Not here. <laughs> date in the margin? No. Um, okay. So, is anything happening about it? Because I actually did notice the other day that it had gone down quite a lot after I'd just put some fuel in my car. Yeah, typical. Um, yeah, so community Facebook pages around the country went apeshit. Um, there was, I don't know if it was like this in Auckland loose, but Marlborough Cool Cat chat, there were photos of every, just about every petrol station in, in Marlborough with yeah. $3 something something and cars lined up all down the street. Um, so I guess with the when the price ticked over $3 and the cost of everything else being so high as well at the moment and bad political poll as well, um, Jacinda was under a bit of pressure, so the government decided to reduce the price of fuel instantly, well, overnight kind of, by removing 25 cents worth of taxes off the cost of a litre of fuel. Yo! <laughs> Yo! So if you've got a fairly cynical view of capitalism and fuel companies in general like me, you probably thought, what's stopping the fuel companies from just upping the price by 25 cents and keeping it at $3, essentially like keeping the discount for themselves. That was the first thought I had, and I'm sure it was the first thought for many. Um, Energy Minister Megan Woods uh, probably had the same thought as I did, and she said that the government are going to monitor the fuel company's margin, um, i.e. making sure that their margins didn't increase by 25 cents overnight with it. I didn't even think about that, Nick. Because finances are mm. never top of mind for me. But wow, okay. Good point. And go off, Minister Megan Woods. We stand. We we do not stand politicians, we, but you keep your eyes on those margins, Dal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know. I could go on and on and on about this for hours, but no one really wants that, and I definitely don't want that. And look, for the, for the good of our listeners, we won't let you. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you from the listeners for shutting me up. <laughs> Um, but you keep riding your little e-bike, Luce. I'll keep riding my bikes, but um, it's time for everybody to buy bikes. It's finally the bike revolution that I've been wanting. I reckon that's the vibe. Yeah, so that's enough about fuel prices. Do you want to update us on a couple of things that are going on in Russia at the moment, Luce? Yeah, I do. So first of all, I want to do a bit of an update on like some of the new censorship laws in Russia. They're pretty scary. Maybe you're sick of me talking about the media. Maybe you're sick of me talking about free speech. I think this shit's really important. And we're lucky that me and Nick can even have a podcast where we have free enough speech that we can come and talk about Russia and talk about these things. So, like, that's why it's important to care about and to, you know, value what you've got. Like, I hope y'all appreciate that we can just go anywhere for our info. So Russia has just cracked down even further on the already pretty fucking strict media censorship laws. They've blocked access to Facebook and other major foreign news outlets, and they have just enacted a new law to punish anyone spreading, quote-unquote, false information about its Ukraine invasion with up to 15 years in prison. Holy shit. And that's actually fucked, Nick, because the information they're giving is false information. So what is their, like, warped idea, like, of... Info, it's so, it's so ironic. Oh, yeah, man. So obviously this is all about um, the Kremlin and Putin uh, wanting to control the narrative. Basically, they signed this law that is already in effect, um, making it a crime to even call the war a war. They've been calling it a special military operation. So if you, like, go on social media or in a news article or broadcast, call it a law or sort of show any false information by their standards, you could be going to jail for um, up to fucking 15 years. But what about, like, foreign correspondents in Russia, like people reporting back to their home countries? Are they allowed to talk about the war? 
So it's not a hundred percent clear. I mean, it's not that safe to do so, which we'll see in a second about some of the journalists that have unfortunately actually been killed in war zones. But foreign correspondents that are like working in Russia, but for other companies um, like the BBC, they could be prosecuted under this law. Like, you know, in wartime and when it, when you're dealing with Putin, you don't really know what truth they're going to, I mean, what they're going to stretch to punish you or like, you know, they can say basically what they want to say. They've started a fucking war based on saying what they want to say and doing what they want to do. So like the BBC, which has actually a really large Russian language service based in Moscow, is halting its operations inside the country. Uh, it's kind of up to the organization. A lot of organizations are choosing to halt um, their correspondence from the country just to protect their journalists. Other other organizations are continuing. Like, that's why journalism is so important and also so dangerous. Like, other fucking organizations are continuing for the good of getting this information out to all of us. But it's it's not it's not safe. Um, as unsafe as it is for journalists in Russia, it's more unsafe for journalists in Ukraine. So in Ukraine right now, journalists are actually facing like low-key lethal risks. I just read today that two journalists working for Fox News have been killed in Ukraine and another Fox News correspondent has been hospitalized after he was injured in Kiev as well. Um, a American documentary filmmaker was fatally shot in the head in Kiev and it's just it's like beginning to be incredibly dangerous in Ukraine for reporters as well um the way that Russians are getting any information that isn't state-run basically propaganda is like I've mentioned before they're reaching sort of media that's blocked through telegram the messaging app where many news outlets have accounts or they are finding help, Nick, in the digital sort of activists that I mentioned last week who um, we already spoke about people using pop-ups to get good information to Russians, finding holes in the firewall, using VPNs, using Yandex, Russia's version of Google, like in reviews to sneak good information to Russians. Also, a Norwegian computer expert has just set up a website that lets um, anyone send like 150 spam emails at a time to Russian email addresses. So this kind of goes against everything we've ever been taught about spam emails. Like one, don't read them. Two, don't believe them. But if you're living in Russia listening to this, don't know how you are, and you get an email from a random trying to give you information about what's happening in Russia... Maybe read it. The subject line should be, I am not your enemy. And it's basically just trying to get people in Russia who might not otherwise have it, quality information, telling them to reject the war. Like, 22 million of these emails have been sent out so far. It's kind of amazing. Digital activists are amazing. And that's a little update on the media in Russia and in Ukraine. Very scary times. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Now, Nick, since everything's turned to shit on Earth, um, you have some space news as per usual for me? Oh, look, I love space news. You know me. Um, so, yeah, continuing Pete Davidson's sort of unrivaled win of dubs, the SNL star and Kim K's current boo is being shot to space on Jeff Bezos's little rocket next week. Okay, when you said unrivaled run of dubs... 
I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then I like saw what you'd written, not to break the fourth wall, but it's like W comma S, like wins. Like, you know, everyone, um, when you read something, it's like W's or L's. So when Nick said unrivaled run of dubs, let me just translate him for you. It means wins. Unrivaled run of wins. Lisa, I just don't think you're up with the street kid lingo, yo. Do people say, do people say run of dubs in the real life um, world? Maybe not in real life. Maybe it's more of a, it's more of a, it makes sense when you read it. When you say it dull, I'll always be here to keep you in check. Don't you worry. I'm constantly here just being a translator for like, is this going to make sense to me and to normal people? But that's fine. That's my job. Carry on with Pete Davidson chat. Anyway, Pete Davidson stays winning. Um, so he's flying on the NS20 mission launching from uh, West Texas next week. Pete... Pete, like I know, Mr. Davidson will join a diverse crew of five other old rich white people as a non-paying honorary guest. I find the word crew kind of weird in this context. Like, crew member. You wouldn't call being on a roller coaster as being a part of the crew on the roller coaster because that's basically all this is. They're just going up and coming back down. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um I was wondering how the fuck this has happened and why this is happening, but apparently this all came about after Pete and Kim had dinner with uh, Jeffy Bezos in January. So, I don't know, Pete Davidson must be one hell of a charming bloke. I mean, I mean, Pete Davidson must be a charming bloke because he's honestly pulled the world's hottest woman and he, like, he's funny as, and he must be just charming as hell. He's managed to convince a billionaire to launch him into space, so that's kind of... I wish I had those talents. Anyway, it's not clear why he's going up, but he's not the first celeb to go on one of Jeff's ego mobiles. William Shatner from the TV uh, launched last October, and Jeff Bezos went up in July. And, like, to be honest, if you can afford to go to space and you want to do it just for fun, like, I wouldn't really be mad if you just stayed up there. I mean, if Jeff offered me a, <laughs> if, different- if he offered me a fly in it, I'd definitely take it. First podcast in space? I don't know. Bezos, if you're listening, hit me up. The shit show on Instagram, slide into my DMs. Um, how does that sound, Lucy? I you- think we've had this exact conversation. I think we've had this exact conversation where if you were to do a podcast in space, you'd be doing it on your own. One, because I'm terrified to go to space. And two, because I feel like the audience would be like, Lucy, how come you always say... Like, the billionaires are escaping our world. It's already fucked. Why don't they put their money into this world? If I then went to space, people would be like, Listen, It only lasts, no, it only lasts for 11 minutes. Like, they're not escaping. This- yeah, and costs, like, millions and millions of dollars. Like, spend that money here, man. I know this is not what you want to hear because you love space, but I'm just here to be the voice of reason for you. It'll be fun. It would be. It would be. No. And, like, interesting. Come on. Very interesting. So Pete Davidson's going to space, and we're not. And I'm actually going to do a quick plug for Culture Vulture. If you want to know more about Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian and Kanye West and all of that stuff, you should go and listen to our two-part series on Kanye West and his complicated life. There's the Culture Vulture plug. I'm going to do my second story because it's quick. And it's really interesting, Nick, because it brings us back to like the first podcast you ever did where the big stuck ship got... Big and stuck in the Suez Canal. Nick, it's been about a year since the Evergreen slash Evergiven got stuck, and now the hilariously named Ever Forward has run aground too. It's run by the same company, which is really, really quite funny. So one year, one year on, um, this this ship called the Ever Forward has been stuck 
in the US state of Maryland and it's been grounded in Chesapeake Bay. I only know Chesapeake Bay because it's in a rap from Hamilton. <laughs> and I'm not going to rap it for you because I don't sing on the podcast anymore. Um, oh, right. So, <laughs> so I don't really have much else to add except for it's really funny that a, another ship from the same company has run aground. Probably not funny for many people, but Eva Forward is Eva stuck ever backwards i d k all right so that's pretty bad news if you've got something stuck on that boat um but you've got some good news for us loose do you i do i love that we end these podcasts with a bit of good news this is a very classic kiwi uh piece of good news nothing was stolen new zealanders carry on borrowing from closed unstaffed library now that is from the guardian and this is a funny story because it happened back on Waitangi Day, but it's only just been like made public now um, by correspondence released by the council. So basically when it was Waitangi Day in New Zealand, obviously libraries were closed um, and staff were given the day off. But an era with the automated doors programming the Christchurch libraries meant that the library was unstaffed, unsecured, and open to the public for um a while on Waitangi Day. But it's actually cute because like people were going in and there's like self-serve like checkout machines for your books. And so people were just going in and like reading, moseying around, checking the books out for themselves. It was very, very cute. Wholesome. About 380 people came in that, that fateful Sunday morning and got their books. Didn't let the lack of library, librarians, uh, stop them. They had one unhappy punter, uh, but a, a staff member who works at the library did say that one customer left a note saying they were taking some CDs because there was no librarians in sight. Um, to teach them a lesson, apparently, and how not to operate a functioning library. And the staffer also said the returns room was full of books and the first floor was quite messy. Um, but look, nothing was stolen. And this place is not just books. It's also obviously CDs. It's got artifacts. It's got, like, some sculptures. Honestly, people are sometimes better than I give them credit for in my head. The Christchurch Library is pretty cool as well. If you ever get the chance to go, it's, yeah. like, opposite where the cathedral is. It is it's massive. It's yeah. huge. and. I don't know, pretty cool that you could just waltz in and grab books and no one even knew. I know, I know. I thought that was very wholesome and very Kiwi. Nick, as always, we're going to finish with a comment of the week. Do you have one for me? Absolutely, I do. Uh, it was on your post about abbreviating words, which was a really good post. For those who didn't see it, it was just basically like a little tweet saying, you can't just abbreviate phrases or William Nilliam instead of <laughs> willy-nilly. Um, but Joseph Bayot wrote, it's what it's instead of it is what it is. Get it? <laughs> that was good. I liked that one. Honestly. What was your one? That's really funny. That's really funny. And I love that post. I love that post about abbreviating words because I litch abbrev everything. That's me saying I literally abbreviate everything. No, I'm a barrow. Okay. Um, my one was about my mundane poll I did today asking if people have an inner monologue or not. First of all, Nick, do you? I don't really know. Like, do you talk to yourself in your head? Can you hear words in your head, like when you read a book or whatever? Yeah, I guess I do. Well, isn't that just reading? People don't, my inner monologue doesn't say, Nick decided to go to the petrol station to buy a Red Bull this afternoon. But do you think it's like, is it in your head, can you hear like 
fuck, that was a dumb idea. Or like, why the fuck did I do that? Or like- oh, I just think that's me saying stuff to myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's in a monologue. Yeah, so you got one. That's good. Oh, okay. Most people yeah, I, do. I do have that. Yeah. I don't have one. I honestly don't. And I think it's because all my thoughts are intrusive and they come out straight away. So it's like, I can never tell I'm thinking. It's immediately bleh, out there. I was going to say, is that why you talk so much? Yes, it literally is because I've got no inner monologue. It's all outer monologue. Anyway, someone said, someone commented on that. My inner monologue is low-key kind of annoying. <laughs> and then the little scowl face. And I just thought, if I had one, it would be hella annoying. I'd never get a break. Thank God you don't. Thank God I don't. And you guys get to hear the outer monologue on the Shit Show podcast every week. Speaking of, Nick, we're going to wrap this week up. But where can the people find you? They can find me at the... Where can they find me? They can find me at the Shit Show Instagram underscore underscore I don't know something the shit show uh, whack it in whatever you can also find me at the spinoff now which is kind of cool to say Luce where can they find you um you can find me on the other end of the daily newsletter which is amazing and you should subscribe and I love it or you can hear me on another podcast called Culture Vulture which is where we talk about equally as important and sometimes more entertaining things. And you can uh, find me on Shit You Should Care About, which is this random little niche Instagram that we run. (laughs) You may have heard of it. You might have heard of it. Thank you, Squish, for joining me. No worries. Thank you for having me. I'll see you again next week, I guess. Always a pleasure. Bye, everyone. See you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.